0: If you're watching online, hi, glad you're here. Thanks, Shannon. Um, socc.tv, if you can't make it, you can still join us. My name is Josh Reynolds, and uh, I'm a full-time campus pastor at Indiana University. So uh, our Sunday morning is Thursday night, and uh, Christian student fellowship. We work to bring faith and community to campus, and my unique role there is to preach straight through books of the Bible. To, uh, to college kids. So this morning, I'm gonna try and orient us to 2019 using Mark chapter five. And um, yeah, I'm gonna invite you to read it like we do with college kids, okay? So for some of you, put on your way back hats and uh, jump in with us. So let me give us some context and then we'll springboard forward. I'll start in verse 21, Mark chapter five. When Jesus had again crossed over to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Jairus pleaded, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with Jairus, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Okay, so there's our context. And so... Uh, there's some work to be done this morning uh, for you guys because I'm going to invite you to experience the story perhaps in a new way. What I just read was the context for what I want to preach on and so I'll talk to you about what we're going to do. The other person that has to do the work this morning is the camera guy because it turns out I don't stand still very well and that's because I used to be a school teacher and then I was a youth pastor and now I'm a college pastor, and telling someone something very smartly versus telling them smartly like this, they pay way more attention when you do that. So I'm just going to treat you the same way. Okay. So now here comes your setup. There are five characters in the nine verses we're about to read. Five characters in the nine verses we're about to read. Jesus and Jairus, you've already met. The disciples are constantly following Jesus around. So that's our third character. The crowd is a character in our story. In fact, if you read the same story in the book of Luke, Luke says the crowds are so tight that they almost crush Jesus and Jairus and the disciples as they move through the crowd. So the the crowd is our fourth character. And then the fifth character is a woman that you are, are about to meet. So here is your work. I would like you to please pick one of those five characters, Jesus, Jairus, crowd, disciples, or woman. And as we read nine verses together, I want you to experience the story. That means from that person's sandals, I want you to smell. I want you to hear. I want you to see. I want you to experience. And most importantly, I want you to feel from the sandals of the person. One of those five characters. That makes sense? Yes? This means yes? Okay, good. That's the plan. I'm treating you like I treat college kids. Now, here's a spoiler alert. When we do this with our college crowd, and I say, ready, go, I put down the Bible, iPad, I pick up the coffee, and then I walk to the back, and the room explodes with noise because you're all anticipating telling the person beside you what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you experience, and what you feel. So that's what's about to happen here. Pick one of the five, I'll read, you explode. Ready? And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the crowd, the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace And be freed from your suffering. Turn and talk. Y'all began to make the right noises there. That was good. That wasn't quite the explosion I was looking for, but maybe Tom will invite me back and we can keep working on it. Um, Maybe he won't invite me back. How about that? Okay then, so a couple thoughts. The first thought is this, the reason we ask that type of question is because Jesus, the Bible and pray don't work and that's a church joke. The other reason we asked that question is because as soon as I got down with the first service, I stood right there, and a, and a gal came up to me and said, oh, Josh, you don't even understand. I was the woman, and I know that if you were bleeding for that long, what you have is an iron deficiency, and I was like, okay. <laughs> she goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I was like, you're right. I don't understand, and she said this. She said, if you have an iron deficiency, deficiency, you're exhausted, She goes, Josh, picture that. And I was like, I'm picturing it. I just, thank you for your perspective. After last service, I stood right here and and my friend named Mark came down and he said, Josh, I was in the crowd. I said, what'd you see? He goes, nothing. I was oblivious (laughs) to everything happening. And he goes, and God spoke to me. He goes, I don't see God at work in my world around me. I need to pay attention better. And I was like, yeah, Mark, awesome. Can I say that out loud? Yeah, I'll give you one more example. So right up the the aisle way, right after last service, uh, Janet and Tobin uh, came down to talk to me and they said, Tobin broke all the rules. Well, Janet didn't really say it like that, but it's on film, and so now... It's it's forevermore in lore, that that's how she spoke. And she said, Tobin didn't even pick one of your five characters. I was like, Tobin? No, you don't. (laughs) And he did it. He picked a doctor because Tobin's a doctor. And so what he did was he experienced the scripture. So here's your tasty morsel for 2019. If reading the Bible is dry or it's confusing, just do what we did read a chunk, read a story, pick a character and enter it. Okay, so then who, this is your time to talk back to me. Who is the crowd? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Who is the woman? That's what I really care about. A lot of women out here, okay. Not like, yes, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Not like women, women, but the experienced it as a woman, something new for the first time. Here's the deal. If you experience this, obviously the unceasing wound was bad, but there's a secondary problem happening, which is according to the Old Testament law, because this woman was a Jew, she's on the Jewish side of the lake in a Jewish town. According to that chunk of culture, this woman is ostracized from the community. Now she's in physical pain, we've got that, but here's the deal about ostracized from the community. She can't go to the marketplace Therefore, she can't work in the marketplace. Why? Because if you brush up against this woman, her uncleanliness transfers to you. And so the marketplace was a no-go. Here's the second thing. She obviously could not get married because, right, we get that. And then the second thing is, if she had a family, she's not hugging her kid, And so family and the social bounds are out. But here's the one that really stinks. Like those two are bad. You can't work or you can't go get stuff. You don't have a family or you can't be with your family. Here's the one that really hurts. Religiously, she's not allowed to go to church. She's not allowed to go to temple. She's not allowed to go to synagogue. And here's the thing. Church is her identity. She is banished from the presence of, of the people of God. And so for 12 years, this woman has been experiencing the loss. Now, it's amazing to me that she has faith and hope. Because she says to herself in 27, 28, if I just go touch his cloak. If I just, and what I love is the speed that happens. Now, if you've read Mark before, You'll remember Mark's favorite word, which happens anywhere from 40 to 47 times in 16 chapters immediately, or a variation on that theme. 40 to 47 times in only 16 chapters, immediately her touch of Jesus has its desired effect. So two weeks ago, I'm working on this particular sermon in the fireside room. And my friend, Brad Pontius, who's the missions pastor, came in. He said, Josh, what are you doing? Are you here for the Israel trip with me? And I was like, I would love to, but no. I'm actually getting ready to preach on the Mark chapter five, the bleeding woman. He's like, cool. He walks straight to his laptop. I kid you not, pulls up his PowerPoint that he's about to give in like 30 minutes. And he pulls up this picture that he has taken in Magdala over in Israel Now, what you can't appreciate just from this snapshot is how big this mural is. This mural is the entire fireside room sized. And it's this hand and these feet reaching through the crowd. Brad told me that he will take you to this mural if you want to go to Israel with him and you can see it for yourself. Um, The woman's touch achieves all that she hoped for immediately. She knew she was healed. But what she did not allow for is the effect her touch would have on who? Jesus. So raise your hand if you were a Jesus character in this storyline. A few of us arrogant people, that's okay. (laughs) Jesus knew the power had gone out from him. Time out. We've come through the Christmas season, which is God made flesh incarnate, this whole duality and yet oneness of Jesus coming fully God, fully man. Everybody tracking? And so what I love that Mark says, when the woman touched him, the power went out from him. Now that preposition as an English geek, which is me, um, I didn't skip over it. Because shouldn't the power have left him? But the power just went out from him. See, Jesus is God. And when God gives, he doesn't lose. And so the power went from him, but he didn't lose it. He just knew something had happened. Now, how many of you were the disciples? That's me, every time. I tried to put myself in the sandy sandals of the disciples because I know I don't know how to walk behind Jesus very well. I know that I don't know how to walk behind Jesus very well. And so you saw the disciples' response. So Jesus is in this crowd, this crush of people, and he's like, hey, who touched me? And they're like, What do you mean? How can you say that? Who touched you? We can't breathe here, man. And Jesus ignores them because he knew something extraordinary had happened. This is the point in the sermon where it kind of gets uncomfortable because we got to turn it personal. When Jesus says, Who touched me? He's calling for a commitment. Picture this scene I can't breathe. I'm fighting through the crowds. And then I stop and I say, and Jesus says, "Who touches me? If you're the person who has touched him, what is racing through you in that moment? Fear. A commitment, absolutely fear." And it's this point where, using a church word, where you Jesus is looking for a confession. Now, when we say the word confession, we think, "Ew, my deepest darkest secret, put out in the light in front of someone else, right?" It's exactly what was happening. Jesus was calling for a commitment of confession because he knew the power had gone out from him. Let me check my notes, make sure I'm getting this right. The Jesus, I'm sorry, the woman knew, according to Jesus' question, that she was found out And so she comes forward. This is verse 33. She comes forward with fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened. Incredibly important verse. She fell down before him and told him the whole truth. This is where I pick up my notes to show you. This is my favorite part of the sermon. Because confession is bringing my misdeed into the light. It is bringing my sin. It is bringing the way that I broke the rules, the way that I didn't live up to God's holiness, his character. And I'm putting it in front of him. And what I love about this woman is she tells the whole truth. Now you have to ask, what is the whole truth? The whole truth is simple. Simple. It's that I broke the communal norms. I broke the ceremonial law. I was hurting. I was unclean. And the word that you kept hearing me say there was I was. I was. I was. Because the whole truth is but I'm not now. The beauty of this story, guys, is the speed at which confession becomes testimony the beauty of this sermon is the speed at which confession my sin becomes testimony that's not who I am that speed is the whole truth now here's the thing confession is a prerequisite of being a Christian it is the path to placing yourself where at the feet of Jesus oh That's where we started. Verse 22, there was this synagogue ruler named Jairus. Jairus came and fell at the feet of Jesus. Now here we are in the crowd, and there's this woman who's been broken for 12 years, ostracized socially, communally, religiously from her identity and she's at the feet of Jesus. And the speed at which confession becomes testimony is your hope. Because if confession is your requirement as a Christian, so is your testimony. Because your brokenness does not define you when it's at the foot of Jesus. If you are in the crowd, raise your hand. Lots of us. I'm curious what you experienced. Were you like my friend, Brett, who said, nothing. I was completely oblivious. Or were you like, ew, I know this woman. I wonder if she touched me. Did her dirt rub on me? That one hurts a little bit. And you'll notice if you read this for yourself that Mark does not name this woman. And I wonder if that's, Purposeful. In fact, Jesus, Jesus names her, but he doesn't call her Sue. He says daughter. And daughter is so much more valuable than Sue. Why? Because it's an identity. When Jesus looks at this woman and calls her daughter, what he does is he speaks to her inner. Deepest need, which is you're loved like a daughter. Now here's the spoiler alert. To be called a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God requires a couple of things. It requires your, your position at the feet of Jesus. It requires your testimony. I'm sorry, your confession that recognition of who you were, I was, I was, I was. And it requires then a testimony, not of what you did, you did, you did, but the healing that comes from the cross of Jesus. And I love what Jesus does. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You were here last week. Tom taught. Uh, for the Christmas Eve service, the last name that we find in Isaiah for Jesus, which is the Prince of Peace. How beautiful. So if any of the characters of scripture could say to this woman, go in peace, it was the Prince of Peace. And what you heard Tom say last week is that peace or shalom is the whole presence of the goodness of God moving with you. The whole presence of the goodness of God moving with you. As we wind down and turn towards communion, we have to hold this one. We have to get this right. Because the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, can you imagine what the word peace meant to her? Jesus spoke to her tenderly and said, Go not in fear. Go, not in trembling. Go, not in pain. Go in peace. What Jesus is giving her is healing permanently. And here's the bad news of the story. While this whole thing has been happening, something else permanent has happened. While this person has been at the feet of Jesus, giving a confession, being restored with a testimony, standing up, healed, permanently, something else permanent has happened. It's in verse 35, I won't teach on it, but what you know is this, that someone from the house of Jairus runs to Jesus and Jairus in the middle of the crowd and says, don't bother the teacher. Your daughter's dead permanent oh man guys this is one where i kind of get a little little misty because this morning at 6 30 a.m i'm in the bathroom there's only one in our house with my two oldest daughters there's four daughters in my house and i'm and i'm i'm kind of running the sermon in my head a little bit and my girls are just kind of jabbering i'm like Shh. there was a sleep out in the living a sleep out camp out sleep in whatever overnighter in the living room with all four girls in the living room last night and so I got this picture of what Jairus might have felt in that moment my question for you Jairus characters is how's your peace because peace is not the absence of conflict there will be death there will be brokenness in our world Peace is the whole presence of the goodness of God moving with you. And I know that's a real thing because in John chapter 14, on the night that he was to be betrayed, where do we find Jesus? Not in a position of peace. That's at the feet. So Jesus couldn't get at the feet of himself, but in a posture of peace. And here's what the Prince of Peace says about his posture. He says, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And this is our hope as Christians, that Jesus's posture of peace, when we know the position of peace because of the confession of sin, because of the testimony of the cross, is what we tell in communion every week. It's a testimony when you hold the bread. It's a testimony when you hold the cup of Jesus' path to the cross on behalf of you and his blood shed to cover you, to restore you to God the Father so you are a son, so you are a daughter in the kingdom.